our latest series of the Reach Next Generation podcast. I'm Grace Jeffries and I'm thinking about my future. To help me with this, I'm speaking with successful women to get an understanding of the challenges they've faced throughout their careers, how they overcame them and what tips they have for girls of my age. Today my guest is Miriam Gonzalez-Durantes, who is an advisor on international trade and EU affairs, lecturer at Stanford University, member of the European Council on Foreign Relations, and importantly, chair and founder of Inspiring Girls International, which we'll talk a little bit more about later. Thanks for joining me today, Miriam. Can we start by you telling us all how your career took you to the role you have today? Sorry, Grace, I couldn't understand you. Sorry. Um, can you tell me a little bit about um, your lead up to the role that you have now, just a bit of your career path? Sure. Well, I, I um, was born in Spain and um, I studied there um, during all my studying years, really. So I did a school there in my village and then I went to the closest university that there was to the place where my family was living. And um, then I got a scholarship to go to Belgium to study European issues. And that was the beginning of my international interest. I became a civil servant and trade negotiator at the European Commission. And then after a few years of that, I moved to uh, London, where I became a lawyer, a trade uh, lawyer. And uh, and that is more or less where I am now. I'm changing a little bit my job now and setting up my own companies. Um, but that is my professional trajectory. So when you were at school, did you know what you wanted to do or be or did that happen more later in life? Not at all. I didn't know it at all. Actually, I ended up studying law because I didn't know what to do. I liked every subject. My mum was the chemistry and physics teacher in the secondary school in my village. So I, I was very, very determined not to take sciences so that I wouldn't have to be with my mum in the in the very same <laughs> class, and and having done humanities, I didn't know what to do, and I thought law is a is a good thing to do when you don't know because it opens many doors and it doesn't close very many, and that is how I ended up being a lawyer. I didn't work as a lawyer at the beginning. I I was doing much more of a diplomat work and a trade negotiator. But then when I came, I moved to London, I yeah, I thought well perhaps. It's the time to try private practice. So it has been just a series of coincidences, my career, really, more than the same. So I know that you went to the University of Valladolid. Um, how important do you think it is to go to university, especially with apprenticeship and graduate schemes that you can find in pretty much every company? Yeah, listen, I don't think that it is the issue is whether it is very important or not. So it is possible to have uh, really good options in life, regardless of whether you have gone to university or not. From my point of view, the only issue is that if you have the opportunity to go to university, that is a privilege. That really is something that, that you should be using because university basically means that society invests in you and they, they invest in the people who think that they can, you know, bring the economy uh, forward and with them, everybody else. So, so I guess that my issue is not so much whether it is important or not. And I have now started teaching at um, 
in American universities, so I, I probably look at it from from both sides. But it is very much society betting on you, and when when society does that, you really need to use it properly. Of course. Now, there's a lot of talk about pay equality quite generally. How well do you think women are catching up men, with men's salaries and getting those top jobs in the industries? Well, I think that in terms of the formal um, equal pay, uh, quite a lot of effort has taken place over the last few years. And, and the fact that this has become an issue means that now governments are asking for more information. I personally think that there should be many more efforts than the ones that there are now that is still very much on a voluntary basis. But it is fair to say that over the last few years, um, a lot has happened in, in that respect. And at least the figures that many companies are providing kind of allow us to see whether there are any big gaps and any big issues that we should continue focusing on. The very big issue, though, is that if you look at the very top of pretty much every career, the kind of 10% um, jobs at the very top, there are many more men than women. And that is not just an issue of equal pay. There are lots of things that determine that women do not have it as easy to go to those jobs. One of the, the issues that determines that is a very big taboo, which is that women have many more responsibilities, pretty much in every country, than men at home. And of course, that is a burden that ends up being a, a break in many women's careers. Mm. So throughout your career, have you had any mentors or have there been anyone that you particularly admire? Yes, there have been there have been many. I should stress that not only women, uh, also men, but a, a woman who was very important to me early on in my career was the former foreign affairs, the late foreign affairs minister um, of Sweden, Anna Lind, who was sadly assassinated by a Eurosceptic actually in, in Sweden. And she was, um, when I was starting working on foreign affairs, there were very few foreign affairs ministers and they were all, you know, they power dress and um, and they came with big briefcase and, and high heels and they spoke in very rigid manner trying to show power and all that. And suddenly this woman came and she she was very young. She had young children. She was in trainers and and t-shirts under the suits and she spoke normally. And it was for me, it was like a revolution, really, in, in, in my dreams, because I suddenly saw that somebody who seemed normal and actually was very normal was able to go to that very top job. And I, I really tried to get as much advice from her as possible. And it was very crucial in my life. So with our forthcoming Reach Next Summit for 11 to 15 year old girls in Birmingham, in our minds, let's talk a little bit more about Inspiring Girls International. What led you to create this project and what successes really stand out for you so far? Well, what made me launch Inspiring Girls, and I did that six years ago, and before that I did a very similar project um, only for the UK, but then uh, six years ago I did it internationally. Uh, the reason was that I was seeing research saying that girls themselves, girls like you, uh, many of them, more than 55% of them, were saying that they didn't feel they had access to female role models. 
And I always thought, well, that is ridiculous because there are so many female role models. I mean, you really go to any place and it would be a challenge not to find the role models. You may not see them in the magazines and, and in the television all the time, but they are wonderful women that we should all be taking advice from. And I found myself, my husband was at the time the foreign affairs, the um, deputy prime minister of the UK, and um, and I had kind of some unwanted um, um, media projection and, and journalists kind of wanting to interview and so on. At the beginning, I was quite unhappy with that, but then I thought, why don't I use it to try to help to sort out this issue of the lack of access to role models? And um, And that is how I had the idea. And uh, we are now in our 30th country, so... <laughs> So I think that that is probably what stands out most is how quickly it has expanded and how it really is down to the effort of the women who go there, set it up in every country. And it's not just talk because there are many initiatives related to gender that is just talk. This is actual work. You know, they go down to the schools, they put together the events and it's all activity and actually a lot of fun activity. Yeah, I think it's great to use your your media. Um, what would you say? Uh, the press kind of wanting to talk about you and interviewing you while your husband was a big part of the country at that time to your advantage. And I'm so glad that you did. Yeah, thank you, thank you so much. It's, it certainly made it me made me be more comfortable around journalists wanting to talk about my clothes and shoes. <laughs> provided that they cover the Inspiring Girls Affair um, event too. Definitely. Now, I know that you are a mother to three children. Um, how, did you, how did you struggle? How did you find uh, an equal kind of work-life balance while you were raising them? Well, in relation, I have three boys, um, a lot of testosterone in my house. <laughs> so I suppose that is because I have three boys and I have ended up doing Inspiring Girls to try to to compensate. But I went through a lot of issues that would be very familiar to to women who work. I actually think that is, even regardless of the position, many of us encounter the similar issues that suddenly you end up with jobs where people make assumptions as to what you can or cannot do. There are things that you can and you cannot do. I was doing a foreign affairs uh, job at the time that I had my first son. And, and it was very unpredictable. So I would have situations like, oh, tomorrow we are going to Syria or to Iran. I said, what do you mean tomorrow? I have a baby here and I don't know what to do to, to cover for that. No? So it's a, it's a combination of practical things and, and wider um, things. And I was always very lucky because I, I started very early on with, with good jobs, jobs that were well paid, and therefore I was able to have help. I, I share quite evenly in relation to the children with my husband. And it's not that we go every day, you know, 50-50. There are times that he has done more than me with the children. And there are other times that I have done uh, more than him. And that is how we try to balance. But I think that if 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 I am honest, I think that they, when everything goes wrong, <laughs> 
I am still the default um, yes. person there. And certainly I don't think that in relation to the house, um, which is much more boring, obviously, than the interaction with the children, is not only that I don't think that I handle that 50-50, I think that I don't know any single woman who, who does. I mean, so, some people tell me at events that they do, but nobody close to me that I know has a 50-50 situation. Yeah, yeah. So I know that you've met some really incredible people in the world. Who stands out for you as someone that's left a lasting impression? Well, actually, the, the ones who have left the most lasting impression are not really well-known uh, people. I mean, some very well-known people have done. Melinda Gates, for example, is somebody that I, I read pretty much everything that she produces and everything that she says. And, and I think that she's a wonderful woman. And, and some of the advice that I have taken from her about how you have to feel yourself equal if you want to be seen as equal is really very relevant. But what I value is authenticity. And the people who have impressed me more and continue to impress me most is the normal day-to-day -day women, women from all walks of life that participate in Inspiring Girls. And they are amazing. I mean, they are, they are women, many of them, who don't have any help, who have really busy jobs, who have children, who are struggling, who cannot even afford a lot of that and still you ask them for help and they do it there and then so yeah. and, and and very crucially very often they do it even with a smile so it really is something to be admired i think i read that you and your family are moving back to the uk what led you to decide to leave sunny california well, I haven't really moved to the UK. I'm between the UK and Madrid, but spending much more time in, in Madrid. And uh, my husband is between the UK and California. So I, I don't think that we can really say that we are moving, moving back. But the reason uh, that we are spending more time um, in Europe in the broad sense, including the UK, is for family reasons. And I think that many of us during COVID, especially those of us with elderly parents, we have realized that you know, responsibility calls sometimes, and uh, it's not only taking care of the children. At some point, we all need the children to take care of us. <laughs> of course. So just before we wrap up, my last question for you is, if you had to describe yourself in three words, or perhaps phrases, what do you think they would be? I've got three words, it's very little. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I think that I would probably say, hard-working woman and and everything that I have done in my life you know I have never been stingy with the amount of effort that I put into it and I'm very aware of the fact that you know there are things that I don't have by nature but I have always tried to compensate on that through sheer effort. Well I think that's a great place to leave off today thank you so so much for chatting with you today Miriam I have really enjoyed it and I'm sure everyone listening will now be thinking about some of the choices they're about to make in their own careers. Keep listening to the Reach Next Generation podcasts as I talk to many more brilliant women. And more details about us and our summits are at www.reachnextgeneration.com. And a big thank you to all our partners and sponsors, Ideal Standard, Barclays, St. Modwen, Green King and Levi Strauss.